Little Heroes Comics is a UK-based charity that creates and distributes comic-making kits to children through hospitals and healthcare organisations across the UK, keeping them far from boredom and closer to creativity. Head to littleheroescomics.co.uk to find out how to donate and to help at this incredible charity today. One of the ways you can help them out and get some amazing all-age comics at the same time is by heading over to fairsparkbooks.co.uk. Nothing is more exciting than creating stories for kids and Fairspark Books bring you a whole host of them in different and exciting formats that are all aimed at encouraging imagination. You can find such titles as How to Make Comics with Springworth, the brand new sci-fi fun-filled magazine The Spark, Hopper, Detective of the Strange, Saffron and so much more. Fairspark Books are partnered with Little Heroes Comics so a portion of the profits go towards their goal each year. Go to fairsparkbooks.co.uk and littleheroescomics.co.uk today to find out more. Little Heroes Comics. Bring a huge smile to comics creativity today. Welcome to That Comic Smell Podcast. With your hosts, David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadakat, and Tom Stewart. Doing it totally off the cuff. Now everybody can see our lovely, lovely faces, but Dave can't see us. <laughs> Have you got them yet, Nando? Oh, oh well. Still don't see Dave. Fantastic. Hello, everyone. Yeah. This is... Uh, Hi! <laughs> this is uh, That Comic Smell Podcast coming to you absolutely live and unfiltered for uh, the first time ever. Uh I'm slightly kicking my pants, so I'm just going to get on with the introductions here. Um, I'm Tom Stewart, and I'm joined by my brilliant co-host, David Robertson. Give us a David wave. David Robertson. <laughs> uh, Fernando Pons. Hi there. And Mike Sadaka. Hello. And I'll just pretend that this plant is Giuseppe. Okay. <laughs> Because Giuseppe couldn't join us today. Um, so, if anybody's been following along in the Twitter um, over the past couple of days, you'll know that we are going to be discussing the three top comic creators of all time. Um, now, between all of us, we have done a kind of list back and forward a wee while back, and we never really got a chance to explore it fully between all of us in the meetings, so we're kind of taking that chance now. Um, so we're just going to keep chatting away like we normally do. Um, we're not going to keep this as formal or anything as uh, the guys that warmed up for us. Uh, thanks very much, Awesome Pod. Um, and uh, <laughs> we'll just crack on. Uh, I'll be keeping an eye on the chat on Twitch and the... Twitter notifications and that as well so if anybody wants to chime in or give us any questions or anything along the way please feel free to do so 
Um, and let's remember that we are here for SparkCon 2020. Um, and there is a little donation bit down. I think if you hit exclamation point donate, you can get information on how to get to the Just Given page and stuff like that for Little Heroes. I just thought I'd quickly mention that whilst we got a chance. Okay, so uh, we're just going to crack on. So, top three comic creators. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to let Nando chime in with his signature. <laughs> the, the usual, the way it was happening, we're talking about all kind of nonsense, and suddenly I have to, half an hour later, I mean, what's going on? Yeah. So, top three <laughs> comic creators for horror history ever uh-huh. exist. Right. So, off we go. Nice. I got um, you here, but I don't know who wants to start. I think we should point out before we start that, you know, people people think about these kind of things. Comics people are always thinking about this kind of thing, and <clears throat> and so we are as well. So I just think we should figure out who the top three creators are, and then that'll be it, and nobody will ever have to think about it ever again. So we're going <laughs> to sort this out today, okay? Yeah, it's not it's opinion. not just our opinion. This is absolute fact. Now, once we are done, that's it. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Okay, good. I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds alright. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> cool. Okay. Oh, dear. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> well, like, like. Like I say, we did a we did a list kind of back and forward to each other a wee while back. It was meant to be a top twenty, but we ended up doing what <laughs> top thirty or something like that, which was ridiculous. But there was a there was a top twenty that kind of went back and forward between each other, and we did have some kind of consistencies throughout there as well. But we'll get we'll we'll get to that. We'll uh, we'll work our way through. Um, well, we'll just do our usual, guys. We'll just see what everybody's got with them, and then we can kind of collect the uh, the consistent ones at the end and see who we've got to pick our top three, our holy trinity. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good cool. to me. Mm. Good, good, good. All right. Nice. Who's first? You want to go, Nando? Yeah, I can go ahead. Yeah, no problem. So... I'm going to start with one that I did not put in that list. Oh, all right, okay. I like to start like that. Yeah, I'm gonna go for Will Eisner. Will Eisner. Will Eisner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Will Eisner. If we're looking back, his importance in history as a comic creator as well. Um. He essentially, he wanted and understood that comic was a medium beyond what it was treated at that time when he started to work. Uh, he wanted to elevate the comic and created also the graphic novel term. And it's a huge influence to many other authors that have come after him. So yeah, Will Eisner to me is probably one to discuss and it could be one of them. Hmm. Okay. And I didn't have a list. I didn't put in that no, you didn't. list initially. But yeah, Will Eisner. That's one I was Who, thinking today about. It. What's so um, that's one. 
What would you say your favourite Will Eisner work is, personally? Contract with God, that's probably the... The Contract with God trilogy is probably the my favourite one. I'm going to try to show you in the camera. It shows... I mean, that, to me, is it's a magnificent book. Um, and it's just the, it's not just the art and what he tries to do from the page structure to script, the themes, uh, techniques. Uh, it's just everything. Uh, and as I said before, he studied the sequen- sequential art and the comic. And I think, to me, he's a huge pillar of the comic and how he elevated to the, uh, you know, a major status. Because comic was considered, you know, something for kids then. And he worked hard to make sure that it was elevated uh, and it brought that forward. And it has huge influence for everyone, I think. So, yeah, that's, that's I think, it's a good reason enough um, for that selection. Or to be, yeah. or to be considered selection. Shall I keep it's, going? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, just keep going. Um, I was going to say, though, he's, you know, he, he is, like... He is top tier. He's he's one of those that kind of defines the genre in a way. Um, very much defines comic books in a way overall, and and is used as the kind of main influence behind a lot of people and their their trajectory along the way, and who who they found interesting along the way. You know, Will Eisner usually comes up in in sort of the big heavy hitters influences. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, uh, well, that's he's what, something, something else. I, think, I was thinking about it today, and I thought, you know, I, I, we need to speak about Will Eisner. It needs to be mentioned. I know it's, 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 it's an author from years ago. I know it's not a modern one or recent one. But his importance uh, for the medium is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should not forget that because there are many things, many artists, authors, writers, nowadays are working and they have been influenced directly or indirectly by Will Eisner's work. It's one of those authors that you study, you look, you read, you you want to know more about it. Why is doing these things? How how he came to that point and how he used that technique or you know, so yeah, it's 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 one of those. Yeah. So that definitely for me is one to be discussed certainly there. Okay. 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 So okay. I keep going. Or? Yeah, just keep going, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going. And, uh, okay. Also, gu- also, guys, remember if you uh, disagree with anything Nando's saying or have anything to pop in, then just uh, <laughs> just take them down. This is just my opinion. Okay, that's no <laughs> my opinion on this. That's nothing else. Okay. <laughs> so we we'll go with the listener there. We're gonna have a little tick. So yeah, the next one is a favorite of mine. Jack Kirby. Yes. Yeah, the King Kirby. Somebody's so, um yeah. somebody's just said uh, there actually that the real question is who's top two after Jack Kirby. <laughs> and uh, I think we I th- I think Wait, with you just saying that there, I think we need to kind of address something at the top, at least for at least for Kirby, is that Kirby is like a, a top for all of us, isn't he? <laughs> straight away, straight up with the Kirby. Hell yeah! 
definitely. Yeah, he is. He's the king. He, he was, he is, and he will be always the king. Um, his work is amazing. I mean, it's not that it's the volume of work. There's so much stuff. That, uh, and it's just, yeah, it's the king. It's, he's, he's king. But there's no other words. There's no words to describe um, what he did for history of comics and and work it for so many yeah so it's a huge influence for many many authors as well so yeah that's that's why he was the king we have a regular section of each program where we sit and sort of lose our minds for about 10 minutes thinking about jack kirby before we go on with the topic (laughs) at hand it's every episode there's always there's one of the recurrent themes topics so one of the guys is always appear and it's it's, well it's kirby that's that's why it's it's Mm. a big impact certainly Mike was showing the demon there, yeah, which is just last last grade. It's fantastic. So that that's just a little piece of the amount of stuff he did. Again, I mean, who other artist has, uh, you know, that's fantastic. That you're a great page. Who other artist has a a term, a graphic term after his name, like Kirby Crackle, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Just to put a, 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 just just an example of his influence in the medium again. So huge, uh, certainly up there for discussion, and I think it's one of our favorites from all of us. Well, he's, he's, you know, what we always have to keep in mind as well. I mean, all these people are watching all these um, Marvel and what what is going to come up in the in the DC pantheon, all these films and everything as well. I, without Kirby, you've not got any of that. Yeah. Just even even with his even with the characters that maybe he didn't even create, with his influence, it, you've you've just got no Marvel universe effectively. Well, I I think anyway, you've got no Marvel universe from what from what I see without Kirby. No, no, he was the co-creator of so many characters, and that's the thing is, without him, you do not have the Marvel universe that you have. You we don't have a great deal of the DC universe either. Uh, we have so many things. It's just uh, it's huge. It's a huge influence. And if you look back, and it's it's, it's amount of work as well. It's, it's the volume. It's because there's thousands and thousands of pages. It's just huge. Yep. I mean, what you've got the demon, uh, commandy, uh, yeah. Mister Miracle, New Gods, uh, Omac. Um, big Barda, yeah, Big, big Barda, um, Black Panther, Captain America, um, Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fuck, just Machine Man, the Hulk. Yep. You know, just, so the, the list goes and goes and goes. So it's it's huge. It's yeah. huge. So I think we we better just say at the top. Kirby is going to be like that's that's the first pick. That's it. You know what I mean? Kirby is yeah, Kirby is there. Kirby's one, yeah, definitely. Kirby's one, yeah. We've got um, we've got a couple of people saying Kirby made every panel and action panel. There you go. Um, and somebody else, Pete Pete Dory, saying without Kirby, there's no Marvel, very little DC, and no movies. You're absolutely right. There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's absolutely right, yeah. Definitely Kirby is a huge influence there. Uh, 
what else I have in this list? Well, I don't know. I got a guy called Bill Watterson. Oh. His comic. <laughs> You're jumping right to that, Nando. What are you doing? I, I just oh. names. I okay, oh, that's good. We're talking top creators, so you know yeah. we need to we need to up the, the the game here, you know. Yeah, you can't uh, mess around. Well, wait, wait a minute then. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before we go jumping into Bill Watterson, uh, I've had a, I've, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, I've had a, I've had a, a question um, right. from from Pepsi Scrolls that says, uh, "When did Kirby peak? If he did." <laughs> to me, to me, it peaked actually at DC. To me. Oh. Okay. See, when he tried and created, especially the fourth world uh, stories with Mr. Miracle and, 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 and the rest and the new gods and all the different cities together, I tried to make that such a big concept series, my smaller universe within the DC universe. To me, that was his, probably his pick. Not that okay. he went down very much after that, but that's probably, to me, the the huge point because he was the full creator hmm. he didn't have to buy on anyone else he didn't have yeah, yeah. A, a, a stanley or didn't have it no it was just him and he did what he had to do he came to marvel he did really well with few things but probably the new gods is just there even though it wasn't a success a success in sales then but everyone talks about kirby talks about this universe in kirby and you go back to that you go back to Command, you go back to the fourth world, <coughs> go back to those cities. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. I agree with that. Uh, it probably is the purest Kirby, isn't it? It's where his, his ambitions are run in riot kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think the uh, probably the nostalgia, my, my favourite is probably the like things like FF and the Hulk and stuff from the 60s. But it pains me to say that because I don't want to say anything bad about, you know, Mr. Miracle and Fourth World. I love all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But and there's play. a gun at my head, so I'll say I'll say FF. There's a gun at your head? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd rather just dodge the question, but I feel, well, I better say an answer. So okay. there's my answer. Right. Of course, you, you never you... asked that. Well, I... <laughs> Do you, have you got a peak, do you think? I don't really like the think of him peaking, but I do think he was strategically important for that big bang of Marvel titles during the early 60s, and without him, we all those characters just emerging. Hmm. That's why. But I, I, I really don't like to think of him peaking at any point, but if I had to choose a, a time, it would probably be that time. Yeah. Not that I'm putting any of his DC yeah. work down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said, um, Mike. <laughs> somebody else asks, uh, how many of Kirby's creations did he actually do significant work on? Not trying to knock him, but much like Deadpool, Liefeld takes credits, but this Deadpool is not his Deadpool. <laughs> Liefeld takes credits out of Captain America's chest as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I think that question had both Kirby and Liefeld in it, and they were being compared in some way. 
<laughs> and my, my brain just kind of shut down there. I couldn't understand what was happening. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a wee bit lost on the, uh, on the question to be honest. But hey, thank you anyway. Um, <laughs> Good question. You, you stumped me. <laughs> uh, uh, I suppose that if we look into Kirby's creation for Marvel, what he helped to create in Marvel, and what he did in DC, we are looking at comics that were created in the 60s and in the 70s for DC. Uh, and many other authors and artists have been working with those characters after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he stayed for a very long time in Fantastic Four. Um, it, I don't know how many issues. He stayed for a very long time in in Commandy, for example, in DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did many, many other works. I mean, that's the difference with Kirby. I mean, I don't think that applies so much for him because he constantly did tons and tons of comics. And yes, it was used by Marvel to start all the series, like the X-Men, Hulk, the first five, six issues are by him, the Avengers, uh, Nick Fury, you know, all of this. But still, he's a, he's a huge influence. Um, the other authors came and they put their own imprint to the characters that he created or co-created. Yeah, fair enough. How much... I don't know. Uh, that's yeah. open to discussion too, because that's very that's a very difficult one to answer. Yeah, uh, we get exactly the same in animation. Quite often, uh, an animator will create a character, then there's a new work uh, team takes over, and uh, the director of animation puts their own spin on that character. And the yeah. best example is actually Daffy Duck, created by. Uh, I think there's a few question marks over the creation, but the the one most people mention is Tex Avery, who had an insane character. And then Chuck Jones took over, Fred Freeling took over, and they they all have a different spin on the same character. So I think it's a bit of a parallel with uh, comic characters as well. I had to throw in animation at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> undoubtedly. <laughs> right. Um, okay, Nando, you were waiting to absolutely flop a massive one on the table there. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just Bill Watterson and and Calvin and Holmes. Oh, just that. Just, just nothing. Nobody. Nothing huge. You know, it's just, just, uh, just nobody. Just a newspaper. Just, you know, nothing. <laughs> not 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 at all, not in the slightest. <laughs> oh, Jesus! Yeah, that's a big one well, to whip out. Well, if we're gonna, if we're going to talk about top creators, this needs to happen. You know, we're gonna have. To, it's not gonna be an easy thing. You know, we have to really work on this. Uh, yeah, Bill Watterson, I think. If you know or read Calvin and Hopes, and if you haven't go and read them now yes. uh, because it's just marvelous all age comic strips it, it, it seems very easy it seems very simple there is an incredible amount of work there um, and yes it's, it's just I mean it's one of the masters mm-hmm. uh, so yeah 
Uh, I don't think there's any need to say anything more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, Calvin and Calvin and Hobbes as a whole body of work from one person is just unreal. I mean, that's that's what ten ten years or something of strips, and it was just like ten years done. That's it. No more, not, nothing more, nothing less. You know, it, it was it was literally just bang out some of the the most well constructed, well thought out, beautifully illustrated strips that you can ever imagine. The most <laughs> effortless yet technically minded comic ever, yeah. with the the complete imagination and and uh, creativity of every single comic form thrown together like i cannot gush about this enough like i love bill watterson for creating that series i absolutely adore calvin and hobbs that that name alone is enough to make me explode as you can see (laughs) um like it's just it cannot be it cannot be stated enough that that watterson is is an absolute genius of the craft in in comics, but especially in strip work. I mean, obviously he took a lot of influence himself from Charles Schultz, and and you know Schultz kept going basically right up until the day he died. You know, um, but he did he Charles Schultz kept going. That's the thing. Whereas Bill Watterson chose to do what he did and end it, and that was it. And he was you know it's kind of like oh I'm done with that now I'm happy, finished, and. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned Schultz because I was going to say probably Watson would not have done Calvin and Hobbes without, you know, Peanuts happened years before. Um, but yeah, definitely I agree with you, Tom, on that one. Yeah. Dave? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love uh, Calvin and Hobbes, as you guys know. Bill Watson, brilliant. He was um, the first issue of the comics journal I picked up was the one with the big interview with Bill Watterson, uh, 1989 and that was how I first heard of it and uh, just loved it to bits <clears throat> still do I think I think, think I know I keep kind of going back to this though but I think to create something like that and finish it and still be talking about it these, this many years later at the level that we're still speaking about it and for people to hold it in such high esteem when you're only really mainly known for for that for that one series is that's an incredible feat in itself and shows the mark of a, a truly great comic creator slash just all-round artist you know it invokes it invokes so much emotion and that is what art is there to do is to and invoke emotion and discussion and everything and he does he does just that in even just a single panel let alone 10 years worth of work you know Mm. i think he probably did quite well to not get toys and everything made of it and cartoons and stuff because it means every generation people can kind of discover it for themselves like they've discovered it Mm -hmm. um you know, because uh, Peanuts is obviously great as well, but it's also a load of toys and cartoons and stuff. And yeah, um, so it's that's more a bit like Mickey Mouse or something than than uh, Calvin and Hobbes is. So you think the commercial commercialization of it detracts from the actual original work then? Well, a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
you know, somebody that's 11 or 12 or, or even younger can be reading Calvin and Hobbes for the first time right now and going, what's this? And they've never heard of it, you know. And they discover it and it blows their mind. And that just keeps happening in a little way as the decades go by. Whereas before you've even read a Peanuts comic, you, you know what it is, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's not TV and you've seen it before, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that kind, like... kind of reminds me of. Um... Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping in here. Kind of no, reminds no, me of go... talking about um, uh, the, the style of uh, comic. It reminds me of uh, Jim Davis and Gary Larson, who are at two extremes as well. Gary Larson did his far side, and like um, like um, uh, Bill Watterson, he ended it after uh, 10 or 12 years and did very, very little in terms of merchandise, whereas uh, Jim Davis has been going on since 1978. And uh, if you remember, John Menzies during the 80s had row after row of Garfield merchandise. Yeah. Um, but I, I do have to admit I'm a fan of both their artwork, but I kind of find the uh, interesting parallels between one who does little in merchandise and kept it to a few years and another one who does lots of merchandise and is still going. But they're still pretty much as popular as each other. I guess it's kind of like what Dave said, though, in that if you see... Uh, merchandise or cartoons or whatever you will then find you relate with that because of that particular thing not necessarily because of the strip so you have no tangible uh, link yeah. to the strip whatsoever I mean you I've could end up finding I, I think of Garfield first from the animated specials during the 80s yeah. I think of first from that but I don't think of him immediately from the comics do you think Bill Murray should have got the Oscar <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Lorenzo Music and um, Lou Rawls should have got the Oscar for the original Garfield voice. Uh, as, as much a fan of Bill Murray as I am. That's very diplomatic of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, right. Um, so that's Watson. Yeah, I've got something on that later, but that's that's fine. Just uh, continue on, uh, Nando. You keep working your way through that beautiful list of yours. <laughs> yeah, well, I decided to take a couple of them off just to make it shorter because it's going to last very long. But I got another one, two, three, four more names. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now I'm going to change. We're going to leave the United States of America and we're going to go to Europe. And I'm going to mention someone called Hergé. Now, for many that might not be the comic creator in the top list, maybe we forget about it. He only did Tintin, but it's incredibly bleak in Europe. And without Hergé, there wouldn't be many other series after that. He defined the style, a style that follows, and a technique and application of colors that many European comics and artists have followed after that. So it's a huge, huge figure uh, in comics, and certainly in Europe. Perhaps in the United States, no. It's not that well known there, actually. Uh, here in Britain, there was a TV, a cartoon TV series, 
It's been a film. Obviously, we know the comics as well. The comics have been here for many, many years. But yeah. it's not as popular as many other authors or writers. Despite the fact you go to France, you go to Belgium, and you go to Europe, and, and, and it's incredibly important. So, yeah, Berger. What are your thoughts about that one? Again, I didn't put that in the list that you have. <laughs> <laughs> You're just trying to surprise us every bit. <laughs> well, he's he's undoubtedly brilliant. For me personally, I probably wouldn't put him in my list because for the simple reason, I never read any Tintin until I was in my teens, you know, late teens, in fact. So although I really like it and admire it, I don't have the childhood connection to it. Okay. As I, started, I started to read Tintin when I was eight. Mm-hmm. So, so that's thirty-eight years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, ago I started to read Tintin. So that to me, is is huge. But again, I understand it's a it's a more a European thing. But I want to name it. I want to mention it because we often forget about his work, and we often forget about the J when we're talking about comics, and we should expand our um, views on comics and. We should read more comics. And that's one of those. <laughs> because once all this happens and the public libraries are open again, the most of the public libraries in the country have Tintin in the shelves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do we read them? This is one of those that we, we should always read. I always think it's worth pointing out that Asterix and Tintin are the two that somehow escaped the comics ghetto for decades. And... They're in the public libraries, and yeah. they're, they're everywhere. They're not, they've not got the same status as other comics. In Britain, I'm talking here. So a lot of people, like you'd say, do you read any comics? No. Tintin, oh, well, yeah, read that, but you know. <laughs> so, you think it's, it's, no. so you think it's on the same level as like your Beano's and Dandies and stuff? It's maybe even more um, prevalent than that. Because people would still think the Beano and Dandy were a comic that they bought and read. But whereas Tintin and Asterix are just like books that they read. Right. You know? Okay. Without thinking about them being comics. The uh, the massive elephant in the room with uh, Tintin is that there is some questionable books within the pantheon of, of them as well. There is yeah. some uh, dated references and whatnot. Um well, I've got that... I've got Robert Crumb on my list, so you know. <laughs> no, I know, but you know what I mean. For for something that at the time was more aimed for sort of children's adventure books, it is something to take into account the depiction of people from other cultures or the depiction um, of just certain cultural aspects that probably wouldn't be depicted now within a within a book it is something that you've got to remember that happens to be fair i think if i remember rightly hershey actually apologized year la- years later saying that it was a, a product of the time but he did po- uh, apologize for how it was depicted i believe so yes yeah which is so, yeah. it's pretty i mean that's that's pretty amazing it's pretty good to to kind of suck it up and and say yep i was wrong you know, um, but at the same point, and nowadays when you buy Tintin in the Congo, and for a few years now it comes kind of wrapped and it's got like a 
yeah. explanation on it, you know, this thing is offensive as, <laughs> as hell. Uh, so it kind of expl- it puts it into context uh, before you get to open it. Yeah. Okay. Which is something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Nando. Okay. Next one, without leaving Europe, we need to mention Jean Giraud Moebius. Oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing. Oh. So you just you say you say it and I can I can see it. I can literally see his artwork the minute you even say the name. Man, Jangelo to me um Webius again, that's something I discovered later in my teens in Spain, obviously very well known in in Europe. Um but again it's just magnificent um work. He did with other writers. He also did comics on his own. Um, incredible artist. Um, and the one thing that I, I'm always a fan of is his his Little and Blueberry, which is a western, mm-hmm. um, which only very few have been published in English than many years ago. Um, but it's a huge collection. It's a, it's a really big. It's about twenty or thirty books in total, I think, himself. With Charlier as the the writer, many of them, and then he he followed the series on his own. He was the writer and the artist. He was also the artist for the Incal with Jodorowsky. Uh, he's done. He, I mean, he's done many many things. The Airtight Garage, you know. There's there's many many other things that he's done and he's been doing. So yeah, I'm just gonna, I mean, just Moebius, I was going to say, just going to give a, a quick example, if you can see. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's yeah, that's blueberry there. And just incredible. Oh. Really, really good. Unbelievable. Like just the amount of detail that he goes into as well. It's so it's yeah. so effortless in places, but it just oh, just unreal. And he, he, if you get the early Blueberry books uh, 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 as you go along, and then when he reached the 80s, that he started to experiment with his art, and he became more the, the Moebius from science fiction that we are aware of. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's one of the greatest. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Guys, what's your um, what's been your experiences with Mobius over the years? Um, well, we we've suffered from a lot of his stuff not being very available here. Yeah, yeah that's that's problem here. Yeah, it's a shocking degree, really. It was only really after he died I realised just how little I had, and then how much was uh, even available. But I got the uh, Incal. I went. I went to Paris twenty odd years ago and picked up a, a little paperback of the Incal, and uh, really liked that. And then I've bought. I bought the big collection of that that I've been working through, and uh, yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, he's uh, he's excellent. Yeah, There's... I'm afraid the only experience I've I... again tonight. See you guys. 
Yeah, did you not? You didn't get much of it, Mike, did you? No. No. It's, uh, there's a great, um, I think I sent it on to you folks before, there's a great uh, documentary that was on, I want to say BBC4, um, and you can get it on YouTube actually, it's something like uh, finding, is it finding Mobius or something like that? Um, I remember watching it and, and recording it on VHS when it was on, <laughs> 2007 I think. Yeah, it was it's, good. Uh, that's a good that's a good insight, definitely. And it goes through like all, all these collaborators and everything as well, the entire history and stuff. It's quite a it's relatively short piece, but it really does cover like everything throughout his career. And it's got obviously got interviews with him before he died and everything as well, which is just unreal. It's a really good piece. Um but it is on I'm sure it's on you can just get it on YouTube. It's like far Yeah, I've seen it there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and uh I think I've seen the guys at Cartoonist Kayfabe going through a couple of issues of heavy metal with his stuff in it and that as well. Mm. Anyway. Uh, the long tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, right, you've got a couple a couple more. I've got two more, yeah. So, second last, not necessarily in that order, <laughs> but I decided to put Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is one of those names that we always mention practically in every meeting one way or another we mention either one of his comics or his work uh, which is incredibly huge but if we're talking about the biggest and the greatest comic creators then we should mention Alan Miller there because in undoubtedly is the best comic writer we certainly have in our generation that we have enjoyed. Uh, and there are so many that he's done from V from Data, the Saga of the Swamp Thing, Watchmen, The Killing Joe, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and Thomas, I mean, Thomas Strong and and the list goes on, Promethea, list goes on and on and on. The Aaron Quinch. Yeah, I mean, there's... It's endless. It's yeah. endless. Yeah. And he, again, in a way, he, he knew that the comic had more potential. He brought, elevated the comic again uh, from the comic book. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible work with Dave. Gibbons there, Watchmen. They elevated the comic. It's not something for just for kids. It can be adult, it can be mature, it can be talk about something really serious. Um, and he certainly he realizes the potential of the comic. And it's another app, you know. And, and he mm-hmm. worked uh, to make sure that was understood and seen in that, that way. Uh, From Hell, another one, because just just the names come in. You know, so yeah, I mean, it's, we have to mention it. It has yeah. to be mentioned. Mm-hmm. Alan yeah. Moore. I, I think Alan Moore is definitely a one that um, when we when we ever meet up, you know, it's we're going through all the books and it doesn't matter what the topic is, we'll end up coming to, oh, well, of course, Alan Moore's done a, 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 a comic about such and such. <laughs> oh, Alan, <laughs> Alan Moore's done a, an allegory of this within such and such. Or, yeah, well, he was influenced by Moore's stuff, you know. He always comes up 100%. And 
it could be argued as well that he is such a good writer and he's so detailed in his writing that in a way he's almost an an artist with what he writes. I mean, a lot of the descriptions in which he goes into, it paints a picture. Like the the mind just paints a picture from what he's written. It's it's unreal. His he's, he's, dominion of language is paramount. It's fantastic and. And he uses that to his advantage. And he's used that for many years. We've seen scripts which are incredibly extensive and detailed for the artist and takes the artist in consideration, the strengths and the weaknesses. So, yeah, I think it needs to be mentioned. Yeah, he's not an artist. He's a writer, but he's a hell of a writer, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has, yeah, has anyone seen the Wikipedia entry for Alan Moore? says that he um, he, uh, is one of the few writers, in fact, anyone that's worked in comics that has allegedly met one of his creations. Uh, Two incidents. uh, Apparently, he met John Constantine. Um, A police concert. Well, one of them. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know if he was. uh, I don't know if he was drinking at the time or whatever, but um, allegedly he met him. And uh, the first time, the first time. Oh, hello. Constantine said he made a reference towards magic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I stress this was on Wikipedia, so um, it may. No, I've heard that story as well. Oh, great! So, so not going mad. So it must be true. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a. It's, it'll definitely have something to do with the, the magic element, but. You know, that's to teach their own uh, beliefs and and whatnot. And if you feel that you've met your creation, then by all means, um, mm-hmm. the man's a the man's a fucking genius. He could do what he wants. <laughs> it was very interesting in that From Hell companion that Eddie Campbell put together. I think that was where I first heard about this. He said he. Um, from Hell was finished and all done and then he saw Alan Moore had before he'd written the script, he actually lays it all out uh, when he writes it, he lays it out as a comic page right. to write it to write it, and then translates that into the script so you can tell he does have a really good command of how it should visually flow as well on the page, that's part yeah, of his yeah. writing that's something I never actually realised. I didn't know that he'd he laid it out in a, as a comic first. Like yeah, yeah apparently he does that with all these comics and then ten, turns it into a script and sends it to the artist and doesn't show them the what he's done, his layouts. <laughs> well, nice. Nice. Okay. Is that... Oh, you got one more? One more. This is... I was thinking about everything. This is my late entry... Uh, and part of the reason is I was thinking about some of the comics I've mentioned in Nando's Comic of the Day to you guys, and a few of them are by him. Then I, also I remember the podcast we did about comics in the 90s, mm-hmm. so I have to mention him, and it's Frank Miller. Oh. And Frank Miller is a career that started in the 70s. Uh, in Marvel especially with Daredevil then from there 
you know, it keep going working in the 80s, you know, the Batman Year One, Ronin, uh, The Dark Knight, um, we have, the list is huge, Sin City, Give Me Liberty, did they give I mean, 300, and so on and so forth. I mean, to me, it's certainly an author that I've grown up, and okay, lately it's not been the Frank Miller that uh, I liked. I, some of the stuff lately I don't like, but up to 300 and Sin City to me is is, is a fantastic creator. Um, very, very solid, very experienced, has transcended um, the medium. He also works in, in, in the movie industry, has bred has brought elements from the movie industry to the comic and vice versa. Um, he might not be the best artist of all, but he certainly he did not stop to experiment and try things as he was going along. He did that with Daredevil initially. He did that with The Dark Knight. He did that with Sin City. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's, I had to put it there as well. Nice. Nice. And that's my last one. That's it. Okay. I've been uh, I've been marking off some of the yeah. Well done. Um, I've been um, I've been marking off a lot of mine uh, that you had as well along the way. So um, I'm trying to think. Who, oh, sorry, two seconds. So um, so I had uh, Jack Kirby, Bill Watterson, and Alan Moore in there as well uh, I actually brought along I actually brought along uh, year one because I did think about Frank Miller but for myself Frank Miller only goes so far and then I kind of fall off after a while it just, he kind of loses it for me as it, as it, as it goes on especially art, art wise just, it's not no, there's just there's just not a connect with me at all. Personally, I d- I know lots of people who really love the way his art went and and the fact that it it's very much it's very much him and it's you know it's free flowing and and everything like people really get on board with it. But it's not my bag, not at all. Um, oh, that's enough. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna rattle through mine rather quickly, and I, I kind of want to start off by saying some honourable mentions. Um, because I had some, I had some other folk on here that I wouldn't quite put as top top material, but they very much are uh, sort of artists and writers and stuff that I look out for, um, day to day really, um, within work. So the big one to to start off is probably going to be Derf back Derf. Uh, like total favorite. Like you boys bought me an original and everything. Um, but he's got such a a small amount of work that he's not quite on the top three godlike tier. Still a ten out of ten, still a top five stars, but not quite, not quite top tier. Um, and then I've got like said Jeffrey Brown, uh, Jamie McKelvey, uh, Ty Templeton, Steve Rood, uh, Ken Reed. Uh, Charles Schultz was obviously there, but we spoke about Charles Schultz. Uh, Jim Lee, I think, gets understated quite a lot. Um, definitely 
I know you're going to hate hate me for this one, Nando, but Pakaroka. <laughs> <laughs> But, but you know, he doesn't have the influence to me. Generally speaking, you know, it's, it's too new and it needs to be known farther. I yeah. think he doesn't have the, the experience, so you know, it's, it's quite recent to me. So, yeah, 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 I mean, fantastic. It's one of my favorite all, all the collections. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, Paco Roca. Yeah, um, there's also. Charles Burns, uh, John Cornella, um, and also two two people that I actually know, um, and I very much appreciate them as uh, comic artists, and they do make it up to top tier for me, and that is our very own David Robertson, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and John Tucker as well. Uh, John Tucker is up there for me, definitely. Yeah, big time. Man, you can't say a load of names like that and then put my name in as well. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. For me, this is personal. You know what I mean? This well, isn't everybody's that. choices. Let's move you know? along. <laughs> I had some other honourable <laughs> mentions, but I'm, I'm, I'm leaving them off. You'll, you'll just have to wait until another episode of That Comic Smell to find out if they ever pop up again. Um, so... I'm going to come in with the big ones. Okay, so I had I had Jack Kirby, I had Bill Watterson, I had Alan Moore. Um, but a massive one. One that his style is just... just leaps and bounds. And, and, and I absolutely adore this man's work. It is one of the first ones that I ever kind of saw um, getting into comics as well. Um... And I just couldn't believe that somebody could create uh, visions like this. And it was Alex Ross. Alex Ross, yeah. When you've got him doing covers for, like, say, I'm working on, like, Astro City, and you've got him doing books like Kingdom Come and Marvels and Justice, uh, like, really big, big titles, but when it's all these painted, beautiful, realistic-looking things, and, and, and you know, to put these in comic form as well, um, it's just unreal. These things are proper, massive portrait paintings that should be viewed in a gallery, in my opinion, and they're put into the pages of a comic. I've got here Superman Peace on Earth. Now, this was like a three... There was a three-parter. It was the Trinity, wasn't it? He did a Wonder Woman, a Superman, and a Batman one. If I remember rightly. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, Justice League? Was it? There was a Justice League one, I think. Was, a Justice was there a Justice League, League one as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got, the, I've got the Superman piece on Earth one. And even from that cover... Superman's face... It's just... I just, honestly, the, the the lighting, the color, the color choice, like everything, is just unbelievable. I mean, some of these pages are just—they're proper works. I mean, don't get me wrong, comic artists create works of art, but this is this is unfucking believable. <laughs> you've got Superman. You've got Superman taking somebody out of a building. I can feel the heat coming off of that fire. Is coming around them. 
Alex Ross is for me is definitely top three, top tier, one hundred percent. So that's my uh, that's my first heavy hitter. <laughs> <laughs> Do you folks have much um, experience with with Ross's work? Uh, yes, I have the big book that has all the DC ones that you show there, the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Uh, I got over there on the shelf. Uh, Marvel's Kingdom Come. I got those. And yes, it's, I mean, as an artist, it's, it's incredible. Um, uses a lot of photography reference on it, but mm-hmm. he has to. He has to in order to, uh, to accomplish the style that he goes for. Um, because uh, this sort of hyper-realistic style uh, to get the lighting, the volume, the, the shadows, everything, it, it, you require photo, photo reference to it. Uh, it, it it's just uh, fantastic. Even though, I mean, I've seen a lot of the sketches that he's done for series like uh, EarthX and UniverseX for DC and for Marvel, sorry, and other stuff. And, and also, his pencils are fantastic. And he is really, really good. Yeah, no doubt on that. Um, so, yeah. I really like him. Would I put him in that top, top, top tier? The top tier would start to be very heavy. It's <laughs> 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 so, one of my, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite artists. But, yeah, it's not quite there. Okay. You're breaking my heart, but okay. <laughs> I got my opinion that's you know yeah. I really like it. my opinion I go as, I go as far as uh, Marvels really with Alex Ross when that came out I thought it was great and I loved it and uh, the story was a great analogy Kurt, Kurt Busiek wasn't it yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I thought it was a great analogy for being a big fan of Marvel growing up with it and then sort of growing out of it and, and that was the analogy of the story that's the way I liked to read it and it did look fabulous but then yeah. when, they, when they did the um the dc one kingdom come that yeah. looked fabulous as well but the story wasn't that was much more continuity wasn't it it was the future of the dc universe or something like that and it didn't really grab me as much and i realized pretty quick that the novelty of comics that superhero comics that looked like that had run out for me already with the Alex Ross stuff. So I do think Marvels is really great, but I don't really... Sorry, Tom, I don't really go any further than that with Alex. I'm sure he's <laughs> bothered, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Sorry, man. It's all right. I'll just I'll quietly cry later on. It's okay. <laughs> um, pushing on, uh, the, the next one for me... And I've said this to you folks quite a lot, um, is um, Francesco Francavilla. Um, now, I know he, he is actually one that I do know a lot of people say is an acquired taste. Um, but I think the man's output is something fierce. I mean, he's constantly drawing, he's constantly painting. Um, his... His social media feeds are usually just filled with videos of him doing new paintings, new things, you know, constantly working on stuff. Um, 
I mean, he's done work on Archie, he's done work on Batman, he's done work on, uh, was it the Black Hood or something like that as well? Um, he's done work on loads of different titles. He's, he's quite a sought-after artist. Um, but what I like about him the most is that he can depict... I think he can depict a Dark Knight, not the Dark Knight, but a Dark Knight, um, better than anyone. I think he gets the atmosphere of a looming doom in a scene better than anybody I've ever I've seen before. Um I mean, take this picture of even just Batman popping out of the sewers, for example. Uh, there's just there's just something about it. It's just the fact that, you know, he's, he's sort of creeping about in the back alleys of Gotham City in the, in the bloody sewers, of all things. But even that little bit of the city in the background and the night sky and everything, it, there's a sort of mysticism about it and a wee bit of... This this guy is 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 prowling. And everybody beware! Just in the sense of that one picture, you know. And he gets is that. this uh, going to be available to to watch later on? Because I'd love to see what you're talking about. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just I'll send a picture to you, mate. You're not right. All right, cheers. <laughs> um, you're making it sound good. <laughs> but he 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 does some interesting stuff with words and and and. Uh, sound effects and that over the top of panels as well. He's got his own sort of creepy writing style and that as as well. He is more suited to horror pieces, I would say. Um but he's definitely he is definitely a, a top tier artist for me, one hundred percent. And a top tier creator because like I say, he's just constantly putting stuff out. He doesn't stop. He just kinda you know, he picks a topic and just starts making all these all these photos constantly. His output is just incredible. Okay. <laughs> I love how just the resign down. All right, taking that on board. That's fine. <laughs> okay, uh, I've got th- I've got three more, um, but I'm getting conscious of time, so I'm I'm just gonna kind of barter through them a wee bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my next one is Dan Klaus. Uh, I think it's. I think it's enough to say that Dan Klaus creates some of the most eerily, eerily kind of mundane-looking art. It is very strange in that it's very plain and boring, but with a very offset, unsettling look to it. There is something about it, even the, even the fact that it is a clean lines. Um, and it is a very nice illustrative style. There's just something not right about what he draws. Even when there's nothing really particularly bad happening within a scene. To get that kind of weird, uh, not quite David Lynch style, but that kind of weird ominous style about it um, is an art. It, definitely. I mean, even when he does um, Wilson, he's more kind of comical strips it's there's still something not right about it <laughs> there's still something off at the end of the day ghost world as well it's a very sort of teenage girl's story about, but it's just there's just something wrong about it i don't know if it's the color choice or the way he frames each shot with any of them you know kind of very plain sort of off-center shots that he uses but there's just something unsettling about his art 
and yet it just looks so striking, so clean, so beautiful. And he, he's, an, he's another one who's not exactly a, a slouch when it comes to creating as well. When he puts a book out, he puts a massive fucking book out. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> I love how just the resident, okay? We're yeah. getting to that stage. We're getting to that stage. Um, okay, I'm going to whip out a really big one. <laughs> Scott McLeod. Okay. Now we're talking. <laughs> the man who literally has books on understanding the art form of comics and creating comics. I mean, okay, fair enough. I'm a massive fan of the sculptor that he did. Uh, and I, we've spoken about before how it has that that you can tell it's written by somebody who completely extensively researched into the creation of comics but understanding comics is something all in itself i mean this is this is the bible right here in animation you've got uh, the animator survival kit in comics you've got understanding comics i th- i think it's very it's very underplayed to say that Scott McCloud has such a large influence on on comics and modern comics. I think it'd just be insane to not mention him in this conversation of comic book creators. To miss out such a pivotal person who has facilitated so many careers and research along the way um, would be a complete misnomer to, to miss him off the list entirely. What do you guys think as far as Scott McLeod is concerned? Uh, I can tell you about Richard Williams' animation uh, <laughs> survival. <laughs> Nando? Uh, I definitely agree with you. I mean, certainly he's incredibly important medium. Um, perhaps his output in amount of books or comics is not as big as others. Mm-hmm. But the ones that he's done are certainly important, and they are they are good. And certainly the the sculptor, that's a lovely, lovely graphic novel. That one is mm-hmm. a lovely, really, really good. Uh, but yeah, my only thing would be the output, the amount of books he has brought out uh, in all these years. But yeah, his importance, and especially understanding comics, books, and the other ones are yeah, they are it's a must. So it has to be mentioned in this conversation. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I, w- I would agree on understanding comics for sure. Yeah, that that's probably like you know, top ten, top twenty book. It's one wow. I always tried to get in in the in the libraries. You know, like for for a basic good library collection, you want that in there. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's so insightful, and then it is a comic as well, is good. It was a great read when it when it came out. You know, it was it was something totally different. And now, as as you mentioned, it's you know they've built whole kind of academic courses around it and things. Yeah. Yeah. And all... and of course he did Zot and all that all that superhero stuff, which you know yeah. was, uh, was all right as well. Yeah, he has had he has had a big a big career, and it's it's mm. it's been going a while, and to have that amount of research. To go into making those books as well can't have been easy. You know what I mean? It can't have been some easy feat, and yet he still managed to get three books pretty much pumped out one after the other. You know, 
It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my last one <laughs> is kind of a wee bit of a cheat, and I don't know if we can really, um, if we can really class it as 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 as, as a as a one person because it's uh, Los Bros Hernandez. Uh, <laughs> Hernandez brothers, definitely. Um, I think to say that Love and Rockets uh, as a collection and as a constant um, put out piece of work um, I think to say that they couldn't get classed in, in a, a sort of top a, a, a top list of the most influential comic artists of all time and comic creators of all time I think would be um, would be a bit ridiculous if you left them off <laughs> they're just they're just incredible I mean the art is unreal the stories are brilliant and to, to be able to jump in to a very ongoing series and just kind of roll with it and keep going along with it um, and the fact that they've written it that way as well is is just insane it's, it's, it's utterly insane you, you, to have such a long running series and be able to come in at any point what what other series apart from a sort of Marvel or DC like a Captain America or whatever what other thing from that would would you be able to say you could just jump straight into and know what's going on or not even care what's going on just start reading you know they're 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 heavy heavy hitters big ones big ones definitely they're on my list as well yeah oh okay yeah absolutely couldn't do without them Perfect. Well, that's my that's my that's my running. That's my running. <laughs> and I'm jotting these down as I go to see if there's any that are uh, that are adding up along the way. Okay. Who wants to go next? It's between you two. Well, you well, want to go, Dave, seeing how you've said Hernandez Brothers are on yours. All right. Yeah, okay. Well, I've got the Hernandez Brothers. <laughs> That's my first choice. Uh, Love and Rockets. Yeah, one one of the first comics I read when I was looking to get out of something else other than Marvel. You know, kind of bored with the superheroes and that at a certain point. Looking for other things. And uh, Love and Rockets was one of the first. And I was lucky that when I was um, at, at that point, they were reprinting the first, I don't know, 10 issues or so. So they were they were all sitting there to buy like new comics in the comic shops. Um, so that was really uh, fortuitous for me. Nice. And, and I just always um, checking with whatever they're doing. It's always going to be... Do you know, it's usually going to be something really good. I was going to say it's always interesting, but the the, the level that they still work at is, is great, you know? They've mm-hmm. kept it up. Um, do you know, I'm considering whether to bash through honourable mentions. I'll just do it quick, right? I'll just say names. I'll not even stop for reactions. How's that? Oh, jeez. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. Right, here we go. Steve Dekio. Mary Fleener, Joe Matt, Dave Mazzucchelli, 
Uh, I realise you're trying to write these, Tom. I'll email them. No, it's okay. You. No, no, keep going. Oh, keep you're going. okay. You're good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gary, Gary Panther. Alex Toth. Louis Trondheim. Carol Tyler. Al Williamson. Jim Woodring. That's my ten absolute greats that I couldn't get in there because there's I'd got another ten I need in the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've got Hernandez, right? I've got Kirby, as you know, mm-hmm. Jack Kirby. I've also got Alan Moore, as you mentioned. Oh, just and- quickly, Tony says on the chat, Mary Fleener, class. There you go. <laughs> Agreed. She's great. Oh, she and was- Trondheim, yes. Trondheim, yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bill Watterson, yeah, okay. Alan Moore, Jack Kirby, Hernandez Brothers. Now, I've got Pete Bag. Now, Ooh. he's probably my number three, you know. If, if I was going, well, it's, uh, it's the, he's up there. He's up there with the, the very top for me, Peter Bag. I love him, but great writer, dead funny. Love his art, love the flowy stories, love his sense of humour. Just love all of it. Peter Bag. Peter Bag number one. I, do I love, love hate Bag. and I hate everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's an example of Pete Bag. Can you see that? Yeah, yeah, mate. Okay. That's one of those comics and respective books that they bring out. I do I uh, do I do love Peter Bag. Definitely. He was he was very much on consideration for being one of my choices, actually. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. What 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 much time have we got here? Are we over time or what how No, I think we're good uh, I think we're good to we're okay. Going. Well Aaron hit you on the head or something or poke you if he if he needs to wind I'm you s- up. I'm sure Aaron will probably just cut us off and we'll just oh. keep chatting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually been off for about ten minutes already. Okay, fine. Uh, next, I'm going to go for Kyle Baker. Hey, how to draw stupid, Kyle Baker? Yeah. Started off as an inker at Marvel in the eighties. As far as uh, that's when I first remember him, and uh, his inking was really unusual then. I think he was doing it all with a really loose brush or something, so it looked really different, and I loved it. Uh, and then he started doing his own books. Why I hate Saturn and uh, he's done loads Nat Turner he's another one that I just uh, love his style do you know he is um, I, I love the writing and the art so that's probably something that I'm saying for most of my choices um, uh, Moore being an exception as as we said yeah so uh, do you want to do you want me to stop to get anybody else's thoughts on each of these or should I just bash through no, just keep going, buddy. It's all good. But um, just so just so you know, we're uh, we're we're not tied to time, so don't worry about it. Okay. Um, next, I'm going to go for Eddie Campbell. Oh. Yeah. Who a lot of people know, of course, from drawing from Hell. But he's an excellent writer and artist on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, done loads of self-published stuff for for decades. Um. Love his art, love his humour. He's uh, he's done he's 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 stopped doing as much the last ten years or so. But um, great body of work there. Uh, I've, I've not got a book of his ready because I didn't really have anything ready. No. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> it doesn't mean I don't love them, you know. I could hang on, hang on. Wait, here we go. Right, here's an odd thing. <laughs> here we go. He's close enough. How to be an artist, Eddie Campbell. Brilliant. Great, great book. Russia oh, would buy his, that. That's his Alex stuff, isn't it? Yeah, Alec. Yeah, um, and this one is all about. This one is really his career as a comics creator. He goes through all that, um, and it's just a, a great read. Oh my god, I might have to read this again. <laughs> You're actually getting into it as you're sitting there with it. Okay, uh, next I'm going to go Robert Crumb. Okay, love Robert Crumb. I love his, uh, I love his drawing style, and I do love his writing. Andy Schumer and. Uh, he was another one that was around when when I was looking for different things. Same kind of same time as Love and Rockets. He was one of these names that was out there, Robert Crumb. So you had to look into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's uh, he's a hard guy to defend sometimes, you know. Yeah. If any if anybody says, uh, oh well, it's full of racist and sexist, and and you kind of go, yeah, yeah, it's, that's kind of my <laughs> argument against it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, I just loved it. Any anyway, <laughs> shit. Uh, excuse the language. So you know, he was he was too. He'd already got his hooks into me before you know, before I thought about any negative aspects. Really, you know. Mm. Mm, so I don't know. We could start an argument about that. He is an amazing artist. He really, mm. really is. There is some yeah. of his work. There is some of his work that is left to be desired. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is some of his stuff that he's just kind of done off the cuff, just because he needs to get it out there. And you look at it, and it maybe isn't as great because he's not taking the time over it or whatever. Especially with the content, sometimes as well. Um, mm. Like you say, some of it's racist and a bit sexist and stuff. But hey ho, that's you know, this <laughs> crumb is synonymous with it now. That's that's kind of it. Um, but he operates with that it's only lines on paper idea, doesn't he? Yeah. So it's yeah, like he does. so it's like he can do absolutely anything. If he just thinks of it, he'll just do it. Yeah. And uh so there's pluses and negatives to that, you know. I think I think it's it's not understated to say that he has put out a, an absolute tremendous body of work as well. And that aspect of it, an actual a, a purely create creation aspect, he's he's you know, he's he's got a massive body of work behind him. Mm. And did we ever find out if he was more famous than Scott Snyder or not? <laughs> I think we did. Maybe we could leave that to the the folks at home. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, is Robert Crumb more? Was it more famous than uh, Scott Snyder? More famous, more influential. <laughs> Anything along those lines. <laughs> mm. That's a tough one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right, I'm going to go on now to... Uh, I've got two left. And I'm going to go to George Herriman, uh, Crazy Cat. Nice. There we go. And this is so unique. The way... I mean, a lot of you, you'll have read it anyway, but the way it's written, you read it in your head and it gets put together in your head as you're reading it. And it's so abstract. But it's brilliant. 
I just love it. It's so there's nothing I can really compare it to. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read much of Crazy Cat. I don't know if I ever brought them to our discussions before. It's something I've actually only stumbled across recently. Oh, um, okay. And what I've do you think? Caught up on a couple of uh, a couple of strips. Um, yeah, uh, really good work. It's. Um, I don't know. It's just it's something a bit. It's something that I break away as as reading. It's a wee bit different. It's something I read as a wee bit of a kind of palate cleanser, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. If I'm just needing something a, a wee bit uh, before going on to maybe another book or something, I'll, I'll I'll catch up on a bit of Crazy Cat. But I've mm. I've just been reading sort of bits and bobs online as opposed to oh, okay. collections or anything, you know. Yeah. I think I first came across it in the... Actually, no, that's not true. But I'll follow that story because I started it. <laughs> it, it, was, it was in Raw. It was one in one of the little Raw collections. They had Tiger Tea. That was a big story of Crazy Cat. And that got me really into it. But before that, it had been in the Penguin Book of Comics that came out in the 70s. I picked it up in the 80s. They had selections of it. But you've got to you've got to re- kind of relax into the groove of it when you're reading it. Yeah. Because because you first you pick it up and you go, what this is this is gibberish, you know, this is just gibberish. But if you just stick with it, I mean, maybe it doesn't click for you, you know. But if it does click, you love it, and it's just got something you can't explain. So he's in there for me, George Herman. <laughs> you got um go go show us some of the interiors. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm not sure what you can make out. Um, I'll get some nice colour pages. Come on. There we go. There's a nice one there. So that's kind of the... That's the look of it there. Mm-hmm. Quite yeah. abstract, you know. And and the backgrounds always change from panel to panel. You know? Yeah. Oh, great. Great. Love it. Telling you. Read it! So now we're just threatening people. This is great. (laughs) Now I'm gonna actually I'm got before I go to my last one, I'm gonna stop to speak about this guy. Toth. Nice. Because he's right in there, top creator for me, because the art is ridiculous you know it's just he just you know you know what I'm talking about he draws the the example I always have is like there's a little dot and a a line it's just it's beyond words it's just you'll draw like a desert and a car and it's like a little circle and a line and dust and you go that well how has he done that every line is like perfect the composition on, on the things is, is is ludicrous. You just look and go, oh my god! You know, it's just every. I mean, oh come on! <laughs> look, look at that panel there. Yeah, we're not talking yeah. about well, beautifully detailed. Oh, look, he must have spent at least four years on that one panel. You know, it's not about yeah. that. It's he draws everything that's meant to be there to make it look amazing. The angles of it, this oh. and the only thing that really doesn't make him number one is I never read a story worth reading that he drew his whole career. <laughs> I mean that's putting it bluntly. But you know 
I can't. I mean, if if there'd been a great great writer and he'd drawn it, you'd be sitting going, "Okay, that's that hands up." Everybody just give up now, you know. But from the drawing point of view, and the storytelling, he's got it. Was Toth not on? Um, was Toth not on Zorro? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was on Zorro. Yeah, I, mean, I do love the Zorro I mean, stuff. God, God, come on! I've got to, got to show you. Is it showing up at all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's showing up, all right. <laughs> somebody mate? in the somebody in the chat has said, uh, "Toth, yes, horrible person, incredible artist. Try and do it. It's fucking impossible." And they're right. You can't do it. You can't even bear to look at it half the time. Yeah. You go, oh, what? <laughs> anyway, so there you go. There's Toth and. Uh, what can I say? Okay, now I just gave him a little. That was sort of an extra mention because he wasn't even in my top ten. He was in my my ten runners up. Okay, I'm going to finish on a guy that is influential. We uh, love him a bit, James Kachalka. Uh, and here here's American Elf. Yes, and he. You, I mean, I know some of you know. Maybe all of you know. He did the Daily Comic every day. Uh, with the four panels and he would just go through the day and tell you and, and so every day you got a different idea whatever he felt like doing and it, and it sort of built a life and it's a unique thing and that's not the only thing he did he did a lot of different comics um, what's it, The Cute Manifesto that's that's like top ten book for me Yeah, that's got a lot of philosophy in there about, about doing comics about, about living, about everything you know uh yeah, so Kachalka for me is is uh, top ten. Kachalka is slowly but surely getting in mine as well. Definitely. I mean, it was you. It was you that passed on uh, the cute manifesto to me yeah. and put me onto his work. And I, I, at first, I remember looking and going, "What's what's the fucking deal with like the ears and stuff like that here? What, what is this? What's what's going on with this character?" And it was like the more I looked at it, I'm going. Cause this is fucking genius. Like this is just this is cartooning at its best. I mean, it's just it's yeah. just unbelievable. Um, yeah, I just I, I'll never. I don't I don't think I'll ever get past the fact that James Kachalka's uh, illustrations are just pitch perfect, absolutely lovely. So often underrated. What was that? It's often underrated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we've got a bit in the we've got a bit in the chat here. Uh, oh, it's Rob. Rob Barnes is saying uh, Toth and Milk Kniff. There you go. That's another what, another are, vote. Are both shite. Is that what you said? No, 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 no. Are great. That's the uh, that's uh-huh. the that's another upvote for Toth right there. <laughs> Excellent. There um, but yeah, James Kachalka. Do you know what you've you've put two into my list. I've got Toth and Kachalka now into my list. I'm sitting looking going, why didn't I put them in? Like, <laughs> Well, there's so there many more that we could have done, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mike, you're the last one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a, a, my honourable list, which I'll just say out. Um, but I mentioned Gary Larson, Jim Davis. Um, I've also got Frank Chow. Joe Kubert, Grant Morrison, Alan Grant, 
John Wagner, Pat Mills, Angela Kincaid, and uh, my pronunciation of this might not be too good, but it's the Italian artist who drew slain Massimo Bellar. What's that? Massimo Bellardinelli. Excellent. Him. <laughs> That's my honourable, honourable mention. And his artwork was, I think, probably the best for, among the best for 2000 AD artwork. And I've got a, I have a, a list of, list of books with me. You mentioned um, Calvin and Hobbes earlier. And of course, uh, the demon for uh, Jack Kirby. Um, but this won't be a surprise to you that I will also mention Yukito Kishiro, who did Battle Boy. Angel Leader. And the artwork is fantastic. And also, you'll notice the story is by him as well, because uh, one of the big differences between uh, Japanese manga is a lot of them, and a lot of uh, big Western art, like in, man in uh, Marvel and DC, is that you'll have one guy that does pencil, you have one guy that does ink, you have someone that does uh, letters, color, and you have other people doing uh, stories. Whereas most of manga is done all by one person. Hmm. And this is, uh, this is no exception. And the artwork is, I think, pretty outstanding. Yeah, beautiful. With, with the character, it's uh, a lot of coming of age with uh, a whole lot of trying to find themselves in a world where they have a, a past that they don't know and a uh, heavy amount of ultra-violence as well. Uh, the next one I'll, I'll hold up, although it's a Japanese idea, the artist I have in mind is Art Adams, who was... Oh, yes. Yes. This is really brilliant. How he gets the, the shadows in but keeps some solid, I think, is, is brilliant. I, I like looking at the um, the black and white version more than I, I would the colour version. What have you got there, Mike? That's uh, I'm holding up uh, Godzilla, Age of Monsters. Uh, Art Adams is uh, known for doing a lot of uh, Godzilla artwork. Yeah. So... Another one which I know some of you won't agree with is Todd McFarlane. <laughs> and for David, I'm holding up Spider-Man. Don't tell me. <laughs> yes, he's one of the ones that disagrees. But one of the reasons I like Todd McFarlane's work is because he brought the spider into Spider-Man. A lot of the previous ones had Spider-Man as a really athletic look. But Todd McFarlane gave him more sort of spidery postures. There's an emphasis on this other sort of worldly power of Spider-Man. Uh, sticking with Marvel, I have Walt Simonson. And this is uh, this is volume four of his uh, Mighty Thor series. Yes, yes, yes. Um, this one primarily focuses around Balder the Brave, though, and his... Uh, his battle to save Carnella, the Norn Queen. But Thor is in there. And at the back, he's a, a bearded, heavily bearded Thor, which predates all the films. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Much bigger, bigger book now. And I'm sticking with the States here. 
Mark Schultz. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. yes. This is seen on at times, which later became Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Ah. With yes. Anna Dundee and Jack Tenrick. Nice, and, nice. Um, Mustafa Cairo, among other characters. So you can see the detail, level of detail that's in this. Very nice. Absolutely outstanding. Nice this is a fantastic one. This is like um, most of the uh, most of the stories. And again, a lot of it's all done by the same artist. Quite a lot of the the American artists also did most of the art, the story, and the art on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming back to Britain now. Oh. Anvil by Brian Talbot. And. It might not be the most detailed of artwork, but I absolutely love the style. I like the story, I like the characters, I like the brutality in there as well. Uh, sorry, Tom, I'm holding. Yes, that is a drunken Donald Duck. It's amazing that none of these companies say, hang on a minute, you've just defaced our uh, some of our best characters. I think this is... Um, I think this is the one that infamously has a, a drunken Paddington bear somewhere. Oh no, he's in one of the other ones. I I, I really like the brutality of um, his main character, the Badger LeBrock. But um, I know you guys have your have your uh, Kirby and your Watterson, and I actually oh no no actually before I get on to my. Uh, my third person for your list. I have uh, two comics. These are the British versions of uh, Batman, and you know that you know that I, I I'm I'm a big fan of the Penguin, and this is my favourite incarnation of the Penguin. Uh, these stories will get released fairly soon. Uh, well, uh, post pandemic into a combined <laughs> volume, but this story was called the Penguin Affair. And it was released in 1990. And I was, just this morning, I thought, yeah, I've got to tell them about this artist. And when I looked, because I've got all three of them in here, and when I looked, it was like, hang on a minute. Each issue has a different penciler. So uh, <clears throat> so for the first one, it's got Jim Aparo, who most, most famously, I believe, did the, um, uh, the Death in the Family of Jason Todd. Then second one has Norman Brayfogle. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Who uh, did a lot of Batman, and I think he's one of the co-creators of the Ventriloquist. And the third one has Mark Bright, who I believe did a lot of work in uh, the G.I. Joe comics. So those guys, those guys... It's pretty seamless. When I look at it, I can see little subtle differences between the artwork. I can tell now it's by three different people. But at the time before I read it, it was like it was seamless. It was like, oh, it's all by the all by the one guy, which it wasn't. Is it all the same inker, Mike? Uh, oh, let me double check. Uh, ink is Randy Randy M. Berlin for one of them. Uh, Mike DiCarlo for another. Um, and for the third, well, for the second, 
Todd Klein, no, not Todd Klein, um, Steve Mitchell. Mm. So it's all, it's a completely different team for each mm. issue. But that, yeah. that was actually at the time when the likes of DC and Marvel were doing massive amounts of, um, of uh, uh, titles. So quite often, different people and different teams would be working on the same same stories. But um, yeah. for my yeah. for my last person I'm going to mention, and this is like my my big one, as you can tell, it's uh, it's going to have to be Akira Toriyama. <laughs> and this book here is uh, a sample yeah. of his art throughout the whole series. And just like I'm saying with the big studios, Akira Toriyama basically did most of his work from a room, a very small room in his house. And throughout his, uh, except for a, a, a little while, most of it was basically all done by himself. He did manage to hire an assistant uh, at one point to do a lot of the, the clerical work that he needed. But he, he had to buy his own ink most of the time. And uh, that's where the story of Super Saiyans come from. Because most yeah. of his characters had black hair. And that would take up a lot of ink. So he, he made it so the character powers up and his hair goes blonde. Which saved him on ink. <laughs> but there's there's uh, one drawing in here which is absolutely outstanding. Uh, here we are. It's double page. The grand finale of the original Dragon Ball series had um, the martial arts under the heavens tournament, and this is when Goku faced the reincarnation of Piccolo. And just look at the way they're all facing each other. Absolutely brilliant. And all these characters had backstories. And all these characters had strong personalities. And he managed to get them all into this tournament and gave them pretty much head built, except for the two main characters, gave them reasonably good billing in there. Yeah. That's, that's my... Uh, oh, and a, a side note. When they released that Dragon Ball Evolution, it dragged Akira Toriyama out of... Uh, comic retirement of Dragon Ball and he had he, he thought this film was so bad he had to do Dragon Ball Super and although <laughs> Dragon Ball Super has its critics it's light years ahead of anything that Evolution film had yeah so that is my and and I he doesn't do the artwork on uh, Super but he does a lot of the story okay so that's my uh, my list of um uh, comic icons, and they're a variety of storyteller and artists. Yeah, 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 completely. Nice one. Well, um, <laughs> there'll be no surprise as I'm going through the list here. I was just looking over the list as you were explaining about Akira Toriyama. Um, <laughs> there is three names that come up and are consistent throughout all of our lists. Uh, well, actually, no. Do you know what? No, there's two in particular. There's one that I want to say we all agree on, but Mike didn't actually mention. So I, 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 it's it's on three of ours. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, I do like Alan Moore. <laughs> so at the minute, it's looking like our number one is Jack Kirby. Obviously, no, in no particular order. By the way, we're not doing like a, this is the top one, the second one, the third one. It's just you know the three. So the first one that we decidedly agreed on was Jack Kirby. The uh, 
second one that we decidedly agreed on would be Bill Watson. I mean, we sat chatting about those two at nauseum at the very start, so... And uh, the third, like I say, comes up in three of ours, but not in uh, Mike's, is Alan Moore. But I'm not happy with only three of us agreeing on one for the, the last one. No. <laughs> I think we're stuck um, at two. It keeps going to that. We always get stuck on two and we can never agree on the third. Our holy trinity is never complete. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I'm going to have a quick look. Um... And see if there's any other ones that come up, and then it'll be a sort of a decision between them. The only other ones that kind of come up the same are either Toth, Kachalka, or maybe Scott McLeod at a push. No, even then, he's only on mine. <laughs> ah! <laughs> this is hard. We we'll just have like to leave the third one open, first. maybe. You know, we're never, we're never gonna agree on all of it. It's, no. it's impossible. You're gonna have to go with the most voted amongst us. Okay. Well, if it's if it's the most voted. <laughs> Mike's just showing Walt Simonson. I think uh, it's got to be unanimous. Oh. It's got to be unanimous. It's got to be. As I much as I like that. Alan Moore, I'm not putting him ahead of Akira Toriyama. See, there you go. For Mike, it's a no. Alan Moore, it's not ahead. We'll have to get you guys back next year to... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. settle it. <laughs> We can oh, keep geez. talking about it this way, you know. The con- the conversation can continue. As far as right, as far as I'm concerned, for myself, for myself, I think the Holy Trinity is Jack Kirby, Bill Watson, Alan Moore. For me, I I, I second that. Yeah, but I, I would be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> I know that won't go across the board. Rob, I've got Rob Barnes in the chat saying Walt Simonson on Thor and FF. So you know, there's there's a bit there's a bit of dispute, you know. Yeah, yeah. I love Walt Simonson, but you know, it, is it, is he above Alan Moore? Yeah, actually, do you know what? If I'm being honest, <laughs> if I'm being honest, for 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 me, this is a total cheat answer. But for me, it's going to be. Uh, Jack Kirby, Bill Watson, and the entirety of indie comics. There you go. There's my. <laughs> listen, There's a... listen, I've just had an idea. Can we get everybody in the chat room to pick one and put it in the chat now, and then count them up? Oh, okay. So if you're if you're listening, uh, which I think there's about like three people left. Um, yes. If you're <laughs> if you're in the chat just now and listening, pick one. And put it in the chat. Go for it. Uh, in the meantime, whilst we're doing that, have we decided on a, a word? Because uh, there is. Um, are we going to go with uh, what our previous mates went for, and just go for somebody's bollocks? <laughs> that's because that's, uh, that's rude. 
There is a, there is a, if I yeah, remember rightly, there's a. Say that, David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We'll go, with Mike. We'll go, with Mike's, Mike's word. Uh, there is a... the ultimate rudest one of all. Yeah, there is for this time. Not there is a gallant. <laughs> there is a, a copy of Gallant in Amos. It's the collection, Aaron, isn't it? Yeah, it's the hard copy. Yeah, the hard. Yeah. You can't get. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so it's the hard, the hard, hard cover of um, Gallant and Amos that you can't get. That I actually have myself. That's uh, it's a it's a beautiful piece actually. Black hardcover, absolutely lovely. Uh, that's going. And if you type in the word "bum," you'll be <laughs> <laughs> entered in for a chance to to win that. <laughs> So that's bum, B-U-M, because bums smell, and we're that comic smell. <laughs> the word is bum. <laughs> Fantastic. It's too long a word. No, I think we're all right. It was it was between that or Tony's balls, as uh, as we heard before. <laughs> so. So you've decided uh, on two. House three then. Yeah, we've got two out of three creators. Uh, what would That's you What would you say? Episode, to be honest, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna call, I'm gonna I'm gonna call <laughs> you in on this, Aaron. Who would you say? Uh, just, mm, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you must decide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Too many, too many. I think it's yeah. I think we went in with this going, you know, we, we can we can get a third. We can definitely get a third, and we've we've still not managed it. <laughs> still not managed it. I mean, this has been months on the go that we've been trying to get blooming three top creators of all time. It's hard. We brought up some heavy hitters. I mean, Scott McLeod and Toth and uh, fucking. I mean, I, I heard I heard uh, Mike mentioning Pat Mills and his honourable mentions for fuck's sake, and the Hernandez brothers <laughs> and everything. You know, this is this is hard. So uh, yeah, I think we're just gonna have to settle on our own personal holy trinities, much like yourselves out there. Let's let's play the 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 radio presenter part and say, much like yourselves out there, choose your own holy trinity of <laughs> artists and creators. <laughs> and where where ah. can they tweet their answers to Tom? <laughs> <laughs> if uh, yeah, if you come up with an if you come up with an answer uh, to uh, your holy tr- trinity, uh, tweet us at um, at that comic smell, or you can reach us on Instagram at that comic smell. Uh, Dave, you're on um, you're on Twitter and whatnot. Where can everybody find you on Twitter? Yeah, you on at Fred Egg Comics. That's it, Fred, as in Frederick, not fried. Got it. <laughs> Uh, you can also you can also reach myself at at Uramix, U-R-A-M-Y-X on Twitter, and I can also be found across on the Comic Art Festival podcast for doing reviews as the small press review section. And lovely uh, folks at Fair Spark Books put up with me editing some comics <laughs> for the uh, for the foreseeable future. Anyway, so <laughs> hopefully, Aaron, please don't get rid of me now. <laughs> oh, and on that front I'm going to put the link in you can get ish- issues 1 and 2 of Hopper the Detective of the Strange for £5, go get it you, you can indeed from the Thank absolutely wonderful Tom Rob is editing, so yeah mm-hmm. 
It's an absolutely brilliant book. And issue two, you do not want to miss, it, miss out on that at all. Not at all. Um, Mike, uh, you're on uh, Twitter, aren't you? Yeah. If you just type my name on the internet, you'll find that there's there's not many people with my name. Yeah, Mike Sadaka, <laughs> as in, I'm on as in like Neil Sadaka. I'm on Instagram, and I've got a Deviant Art page as well. And I think David's got a Deviant Art page, I think. Yeah, I think there is one there from <laughs> years. <laughs> Yeah. I've not looked at it for ages. I've got to say, I'm not I'm not the biggest social media person, so if you go on Instagram or Twitter and leave a message for me, it might get replied to in a, a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> I am on there. I am on there. And uh, you can find uh, Nando's comic of the day has been going up on our, uh, on our Twitter feed. Nando has been uh, suggesting a comic every day for about the past, what, 35 days now or something like that? 56 today. Yeah, 36. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's more. There's more. There's another one coming tomorrow. <laughs> and the day after yeah. that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'll keep going until. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, hopefully everybody out there enjoyed the uh, the first that comic smell live. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed doing it. I had a good laugh with my. My mates chatting comics as usual, and uh, I, I want to say a big massive thank you to uh, Aaron for being behind the scenes and just chiming in there at the end, and uh, for running this whole convention. Uh, I just want to give him a big massive round of applause, actually, for uh, for doing all this. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks, thanks for you guys joining. It's been a great listening to you guys debate all of these cases. <laughs> <laughs> The chat in the uh... I know our conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> After all that, yeah. Well, hopefully, when this is all over and we're allowed back up north, I will come and come visit. Yeah, perfect, person. man. Yeah, yeah, Aaron, you've got an open invitation to come and join us at any time, mate. Definitely. <laughs> cool. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks for joining, guys. <laughs> and you're welcome. No. Thanks. Thank you for the opportunity. Aaron. Aaron. Cheers. <laughs> just stretched halfway through then <laughs> like, yeah thanks guys alright bye thank you bye bye to send us any comments or questions or just to say hello you can reach us by email at thatcomicsmell at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thatcomicsmell. Share the podcast with your friends and followers. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube and most other places you find podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Our music is by Chart Smasher and this track is Dial Up. You can find Chart Smasher on Twitter at Joan Edam and you can buy the tracks on Bandcamp.